0: Have you ever had a moment in your life when you felt like you were very just, I am tired? I am super tired, okay? This has been a long, a very long, long, long week for me, okay? I've, I've been working. I've worked extra overtime. Um, I've actually traveled to Buffalo this week uh, for a funeral. And then after coming back from Buffalo, I came here, and I'm just like, I'm tired. But not only like a physical tired, but do you ever get in your spiritual life where you just get, I am just super tired? tired, Lord. I need some rest. I need a place of peace. I need a place of just finding the joy that I used to experience in my Christian walk. One of the unique things about this, the book of Hebrews, I'm studying the book of Hebrews right now. One of the themes of the book of Hebrews is better, better, better. And the author of that book of Hebrews is using um, various different scenarios throughout the text and throughout the book to show that Jesus Christ is better. Jesus Christ is better than the law. Jesus Christ is better than what you thought. Jesus Christ is better than the prophets. Jesus Christ is better, all right? Now, we're in chapter number four of Hebrews, all right? I wish I could go through this whole text, but I don't have all day. I know you would love to be here for three or four hours, right Yes. alright I can speak back to me. It's all right. Jesus is good, right? All right, but we don't have much time, so I'm gonna give you a recap of what's going on, all right? Hebrews chapter four, verse number one, it is talking about rest. How do we find rest in the Lord? And in Hebrews chapter three, it talks about various different scenarios, all right? It talks about finding rest in, in the past. It talks about the children of Israel as they were traveling to um, They were in the wilderness. And as they were traveling to Canaan, some of them were like, well, let's go back to our past. Let's go back to Egypt. Sometimes you try to find rest in a place. Sometimes you try to find rest in people. But the whole objective of the text and the whole objective of this passage of Scripture is Jesus is better, and in order for us to find rest, we have to find it in Christ. All right? And so... In order for us to find rest, we have to find it in the person of Christ. And so now, what we are at, are we at the end of the chapter? And the author is making kind of an argument at the end of the chapter to really try to understand how do we deal or how do we actually obtain this rest in Christ? So where are we going with this? Right? Right? There's a lot of misconceptions associated with rest. And sometimes we may think that rest may be in our past, in our past life. Sometimes we may think that rest may be with the people that we're surrounded by. And sometimes you think, if I could just get out of the house, I'll have a peace of mind. Or if I could just get home, I'll have a peace of mind. But the goal, and for us mainly as Christians, the goal for us is rest is where the Lord Jesus Christ is. And it doesn't matter who I'm around. It doesn't matter where I'm going. It doesn't matter what my past is. It is the Lord Jesus Christ that brings about rest for me. Now, what's so great about this high priest, all right? Seeing therefore that we have a high priest, what's so great about Jesus being a high priest? And if you didn't know, that was the title of the message today. Jesus, the great high priest, all right? What's so great about Jesus Christ being this high priest. Now I don't want you to get in the mindset of you think of a priest and you think of some man that's just walking with this nice garment on, and they're going, "Oh no, I don't want you to think about that. I want you to think of a nurturing aspect, or a nurturing or care when you think of priest. What's so great about this guy, Jesus Christ, being a great high priest. Let's look at number verse number thir- 14. We're just going to work our way through this text. This is going to be the main text. We're just not going to flip through our Bible. We're just going to work our way there. It says, seeing, then that we have a great high priest. Now, if you have your Bible out, I want you to underline that word seeing and great high priest. All right? Or if you're taking notes, write that word down. Seeing and you have a great high priest. There's something very peculiar about that word seeing. All right? When you look up that word seeing in the Greek, that word seeing means this. It means... It means, it comes from the Greek word echo, and basically it is coming to a place where you hold fast to something as if it's your own possession, all right? So it says, seeing there that we have a great high priest, all right? So in order for me to know what's so great about God or what's so great about Jesus being the high priest, first I got to acknowledge him being the high priest. Now, what was the role of the high priest? In the Old Testament, the high priest had one primary duty, all right? And that primary duty was to go into the most holies of holy on the Day of Atonement to make a sacrifice for the people of God. This high priest was the mediator, all right? And before this high priest could make the sacrifice, he had to be right with the Lord. He had to be pure. He had to be cleansed. But not only that, he had to make a sacrifice for himself, and after making a sacrifice for himself, then he was able to make the sacrifice and then put the blood of the animal that they sacrificed on the mercy seat. Now, how is Jesus the high priest for us? Okay. When did he die? He died on Calvary, right? We, this is what we're just, we just got done celebrating, though every, every Sunday should be this, this, this time of celebrating Jesus' death, burial, resurrection. Yes. Yeah. Right? Amen? Amen. 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 OK, so let me go back. So rest, that word rest comes from the Greek word or the Hebrew word Sabbath. Right. Many people do, do many of us know why we, uh, we, we go to church on Sunday. I know it's a side note, but it, it'll help you understand and get a little bit more excited. When I learned this. Sorry, Richard. When I learned this. It was helpful for me. Do many of us know why we go to church on Sundays, because, well, there, there, there are people, well, the Jewish people, they celebrate on sal- Saturday, and then you have other churches or denominations that they come together on Saturday. But do you understand the significance behind the early church getting together on a Sunday? It was just commemorate the resurrection, right? Every Sunday was a day to commemorate the resurrection. So it wasn't just the Easter thing, it was the every Sunday thing. But the cool, unique thing about that was, okay, God created the, the heavens, right, and on the seventh day, what did he do? He rested, right? And then he said, take that day and I want you to commemorate and and celebrate that day as the day that I rested or the day that I created the world, right? So when the early church, they got together, right, after the uh, resurrection and after Christ has ascended up, the early church got together and said, we're going to worship on not the Sabbath, but on the Lord's Day, right? The reason why they wanted to worship on the Lord's Day, because it was something more significant than the creation, it was that the Lord Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. So they hold more value and more importance to Jesus Christ's resurrection. All right. So now seeing that we have a high priest, okay? This high priest was crucified on a cross, okay? Because he was crucified on a cross, he shed his blood and he died for me. He was a sacrifice. But not only did he sacrifice himself, he rose from the dead. Hmm. I like that. Mmm. I like mms too. You don't got to say amen, but you can say mmm. So what's so, amen. So what's peculiar about that? My Jesus, seeing that I have a great high priest, only Jesus could stand in the place for me, right? Because Jesus Christ could stand in the place for me. How did he stand in the place for me? He stand in the place for me by going on the cross, resurrected, and then what did he do? He ascended to the heavens, What's the next part of the text? That passed to the heavens. Jesus, the son of God. Now, underline that word Jesus, the son of God. If you're taking notes, Jesus. That word Jesus comes from the place of meaning savior. It's a reference to his humanity. He came to save us. Now, that word son of God. Many people get messed up on this word son of God. Some people think, oh, well, God actually had like a baby and he had a son and, and then that was Jesus and, and Jesus is not really God. But what do you notice about that word son? Capitalized. It's capitalized. And what is, and if you see a word capitalized in the word of God, what does that mean? God. It's God. But not only that, it's important. It's, it's something, don't just pass over it. When you see son of God, believer, don't just go pass over the word son of God because Oh, we just get into formality. Jesus, the Son of God, Son of God, Jesus was the Son of God. No, there's a significance behind that word, Son of God. Jesus, I'm the Savior, but the Son of God, that word son is a relational term. That means likeness. So seeing, holding fast, understanding, having the knowledge of who? My great high priest. How do I have an understanding of my great high priest? I look at Jesus His humanity. Then I look at the Son of God. He is God. Notice why the text is why in the text it's capitalized. Now, knowing those things, believing those things, having those things deeply ingrained into my heart, I can hold fast to my profession. Point number one: Understand who Christ is. Christ is our great what? He's our great high priest because He's Jesus, the Son of God. But not only that, he can only go to a place that only he could do for me. Nobody can stand in the gap for me. No, 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 no. no, You can find the greatest person. Pastor can't stand in the gap for me. My mama can't stand in the gap for me. My friends can't stand in the gap for me. But only Jesus can stand in the gap for me. All right. So we got to understand who Christ is. All right, let's go to the next point. Verse number 15, all right? Now that we understand who Christ is, being the high priest, remember what I said. Understand him in the nurturing role. He can sympathize with our weakness. Point number two, he can sympathize with our weakness, all right? So it says this, for we have not a high priest, which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without what? Yeah, without what? Sin. Now, the text is dealing with a double negative right there. So he says, we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with our feelings and our affirmities. Sometimes when we get so caught up in the Christian life, sometimes we don't understand that God really cares for us. And sometimes... You think because God is in the heavens and God is here and you are stuck in the middle of your your issue, your trial, your tribulation, your frustration, you don't think that God understands what you're going through. Well, I'm here to let you know that this text supports that he does understand what you're going through. He understands our weaknesses. Now, how could he understand our weaknesses? God became man. I know it's not Christmas time and I know that We know during that time we say God became man and God was born and, 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 and we go through the formalities. But we cannot just let those words pass out of our lips without understanding the truth or the significance behind God becoming a man. If Jesus Christ becomes a man, he's in flesh. So what does that mean? He got emotions like I got emotions. He's dealing with problems like I'm dealing with problems. He has situations like he was dealing with them. But yet without what? Okay so what is that what's what's the significance behind yet without sin the yet without sin means this God is our example God went through most of everything that we have went through in our life but yet without sin so now Jesus Christ is our example he understands our weaknesses he understands that I'm struggling he understands that I'm I'm hurting and sometimes as Christians we live our life where we're like God I don't think that you understand what I'm dealing with. God, why did you call me to go there? God, I don't understand this relationship that me and my spouse was having. God, you said children are a blessing from you, yet my children are like, Lord, help us. God, I gotta make my pills work, God. Me and my family don't get along. God, I mean, I mean literally, we, we, we got to just be really transparent and honest where we are because Jesus Christ will understand that. You don't think so? Okay. He dealt with sorrow. Where do we know that he dealt with sorrow at? Of he did. He dealt in the garden of Gethsemane. Not only that, but you, when Lazarus died, John eleven thirty-five, 35, he said, Jesus wept. What does that mean? That shows his humanity. It shows that he's caring. Jesus was in fear for his life. If you go right back to the previous chapter in John chapter 10, verse 28, you don't have to go there, but just write that reference of scripture down. He was reluctant to go heal Lazarus because he knew that people were there to try to kill him. He had friends who betrayed him, lied on him. You tell me Jesus don't understand what we're going through? He left the heavenly domain to come to the earth to do the Father's will. He left all the privileges of being in heaven. Well, God is calling me to go here, and I got to leave this, and I got to leave this behind. You don't think Jesus understands? Jesus understands exactly what we're dealing with. Jesus understands exactly the problems that we're facing on a daily basis. And as Christian believers, in order for us to experience the rest of God, we must understand that God cares about my problem. Sometimes we fall back, well, I'm not like sister so-and-so, and I'm not like brother who would do. But God cares about the situation. Don't matter if you're young, doesn't matter if you're old, but I'm a young man. I'm, I'm a teenager. I, I, I just don't understand. God knows the struggles that I'm facing each and every day. God cares. If he didn't care, then his word would be a lie. And God's word is not a lie. Amen. It says, for we, that word we encompass a larger group of people. Now that we is inclusive to believers, But it's not saying, well, the super spiritual people he cared for or the pastors or the people that are in full-time ministry or the people that have been saved most of all their life, people that went to a particular school. God cares for each and every one of our problems and the struggles that we face on a daily basis, yet without sin. So what do we do? Verse number 16. Go to God and get help. Go to God and get help. So point number one, we've got to understand who Christ is. Point number two, we have to understand that our high priest understands our weaknesses. But now, now that I know those two things, now that I got those two things in my bank, what do I need to do? I need to go run and find and get help. Go to God and get help. Go to God and get help. So what does it say? Let what? What does it say? Let what? Us. Us. Come what? Come what? Come what? All right. Did it say come like a punk? No. The Christian life is not for punks. The Christian life is not for people that are weak in a sense of, I'm just going to be timid. We find our strength in God. The Christian life is not for people that say, I, I, I'm not going to go to God. I, I, I don't think, no, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, let us therefore come what? Boldly. Boldly. Unto the throne of what? Grace. Grace. I, as a Christian, I got to just be real and honest with the Lord. Wherever I am and wherever I'm at, I just got to be real and honest and transparent with the Lord. And sometimes a lot of Christians, we get so dignified with our Christian experience we get so dignified with our prayer life. We get so dignified with our Bible reading. Or we get into formalities and routines that we feel like we can't be really transparent with the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I just don't think that would be something to say. I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes I just feel like I want to I wanna hit somebody in their face. God help me with that. I mean, I mean literally. I mean, literally. You tell me, some, of you, some of you might be feeling the same way. I just want to tell them off. Sometimes you're like, I want to tell my boss off. So bad, God. But give me the strength and the grace. You know what? You say, I don't like my family member. God, help me with that. I mean, we got to really be honest because sometimes Christians could just be as phony as those who are in the world because we come off as if we got this all together. But the purpose of the sex is not for us to be, okay, we're all together and, and, and let's just... No, it's for us to say, where are we at? What's our need? And how do we get a result how do we get resolution how do we get help with that so he said, let us come therefore boldly before the throne of what grace, grace. that we may obtain what mercy, mercy. underline that word mercy that word mercy is a very peculiar word in the text it's a really good word that word mercy means compassion Wait, but God doesn't care for me. God doesn't care about my issues. God doesn't know what I'm dealing with. I go through that every week. I said, sometimes I'll be sitting there, God, do you really understand what I'm dealing with? I'm young. God, do you understand what I'm dealing with? I go to work each and every day. God, do you understand what I'm dealing with? When I got to deal with crazy family members? God, do you understand what I got to deal with? When I got to deal with people in the ministry? God, do you really understand what I'm dealing with? He said that we may obtain mercy. It didn't say in the Bible where God said, Hey, I'm going to shun you. I'm going to look down upon you. I'm going to rip you. I'm going to tail you off. He said, no, come to me boldly. Now, boldly don't mean you just, you just tell God, you know, you just come to God in any kind of way. Boldly means that you are like, you know what? I'm going to take this problem to the Lord because he's the only one that can resolve it. And I'm not going to be ashamed of it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to be timid with it. I'm going to take my problem to the Lord and I'm going to know that I'm going to find mercy. That we, we as a believer, may obtain mercy. That word's compassion. The Lord wants to provide compassion to us because we don't really deserve compassion. God knows that addiction that you're dealing with. Take it to him. But God, I've been struggling with it for a long time, God. You don't understand, God. You just don't understand all the things. I prayed, I fasted, and I prayed and I fasted. I came to service. I read my Bible. I read it all through the year. God, you just don't understand what I'm dealing with. I've talked it over. I've set counsel. Take it to him. Go boldly before him. That you may find mercy. And that you might find Grace. A merit favor, getting something that you didn't deserve. So mercy and grace kind of work like kind of opposite, you know. I deserve shame, but God's like mercy. Sometimes I go to God and I'm like, God, I, I'm I'm stuck here and I don't know what to do. I go to God frustrated, but God gives me mercy. He's like, come on, you, you, my son, come, 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 come. Let me ease your pain. And let me tell you something, it is so common, it's so relieving, it's so refreshing to know that I have a God like that. What's so unique about the Christian God? Personal. He's there, yeah, it's very personal. He is, he's alive. He reaches down to us. He reaches down to you. But you know, one of the things I've discovered through this text is that my God can relate to me, but not only relate to me, but God has the best solution for the problems and the way, the problems that I'm dealing with, God has the best solution. Amen. That's the unique thing about your God. When you say you serve Jesus, and somebody say, well, what's the difference between you, Muhammad, Buddha, your mama, whatever, the cow, whatever you serve, whatever you worship in, all right? <laughs> what's so different? My God can relate to me, and it don't matter what stage of life I'm in. Jesus Christ was a child. Jesus Christ was a teenager. God can relate to me, but not only relate to me, God can provide the best solution for my problem. And when I say the best solution, I mean the best solution because people will offer you advice. And a lot of it ain't good. I mean, point blank. I mean, literally. Sometimes people will offer you a suggestion, and it's not the biblical suggestion. Sometimes people will will give you a little bit of counsel, and it wasn't the best. But when all of those things fail, I know that I have a Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, that came, that can relate to what I'm dealing with. He cares for me. And now he can provide a solution because He was without sin. Now, knowing that, grasping that, really understanding that, what do I need to do now? I'm going to run boldly and I'm not going to stop. That running, that, that running boldly is not you just come one time. No, that, that's a constant. I keep going boldly because your problems and your issues are not going to stop. So the day, the day you're born, so the day you die, you're going to have an issue, you're going to have a problem. Life's going to have a, a, a crisis. We're going to deal with these things. Unfortunate, but this is the life. As Pastor was preaching about this, this morning, it's the curse of sin. And sometimes it ain't always the curse. It's a lot of sometimes, well, sometimes it's just decision that we make. But I never stopped running to the cross. I never stopped running to the throne of grace because I know I can find mercy and I know I can find grace. But what? To help in the time of what? Need. God, I'm needy. <laughs> God, I need you. We've we seen that song, how I need you. Lord, I need you. Every day and every hour, I need you. Right? because I can't live this Christian life alone, right? But this is the cool thing about this text. How many of you are familiar with the priesthood of all believers? You ever heard that, 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 that doctrine being preached? taught? You will probably have heard it in a Sunday school class or in a sermon, the priesthood of all believers, right? I'm not a high priest, but the priesthood of all believers is reflected in this text. What the priesthood of all believers means is this. That means because I'm a believer in Christ, right? I can go directly to the throne of grace. That's a benefit of your salvation. Better know your benefit package because it will help you out in the long run. All right. Amen. None of you work a job and don't look at your benefit package, right? You got to know your if you don't know your benefit package, you you don't know you don't know how you are gonna operate. You don't know. Okay, I could have took this day off. Of, oh, this is, you you be showing up to work on holidays saying, but you didn't know your benefit package. You didn't know you had health insurance, life insurance, all that kind of good stuff. You got to understand your benefit package. This is a part of your benefit package. This is, this is, this is and it's a great benefit to have. Amen. Because nothing can separate us from the love of God, right? Romans 8, right? Teach this, right? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. But the priesthood of all believers is I have direct access to the throne. I ain't got go to go to this person here and I ain't got to go to this person here. Now, I'm not a high priest because I can't mediate. I can't mediate. I can't be the go-between. That word mediation means the go-between between between God and man. I can't do that, but I can go before the Lord. And the Lord will mediate before me, and he will work out the issue on my behalf. It's your benefit package, the priesthood of all believers. Now, knowing that I have all this, I understand who Christ is, right? I need to know that he understands my weaknesses. But not only that, I need to know, go to him. And receive help. Brings me to my conclusion. Jesus wants to be that gap. And this is the great thing about the the high priest. Sum it up. If you didn't get most of anything out of this message, you get these three things. It says, God knows, God cares, God can handle it. All right? God knows, God cares, and God can handle it. If you don't get anything, that's so great about our high priest, all right? I don't want you to get this idea of, oh, no, that's not the idea of what the high priest is for. The, the goal of the high priest is that Christ mediates on my behalf, but he brings me closer to him. God knows. God cares. God can handle it. I want us to repeat that. God knows. God, knows. God cares. God, cares. God, will it. God will handle it. God knows. God, knows. God cares and God will handle it.